Well, let's read from our text this morning. I won't take the time to read beginning in verse number 1. We've been in Psalm 25 for a little while now, uh, long enough that Brother Donnie thinks that he could play the piano and lead us. But um, <laughs> we'll uh, begin reading in verse number 8 is really kind of where we left off. Um, Psalm 25, verse number 8, good and upright is the Lord. That's true, isn't it? Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. We, we touched upon that last week, didn't we? We had a sermon in shoes, you know, last week, didn't we? Um, and Danny stepped right into the baptismal waters and, and down he went. And the picture there of, the, of us dying, you know, to ourselves and, and uh, you know, having, having died in Christ and then being raised with him in newness of life, you know. Uh, so we had that last week, didn't we? Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he will teach sinners in the way. Verse number nine, the meek. If you know the Lord, then this is so of you. You are meek. You're meek. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Now, who's going to be taught the way of the Lord? The meek are going to be taught the way of the Lord. Verse number 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Well, who else is going to keep his his covenants and his testimony, except the meek who have been taught the way. This all builds upon one another, doesn't it? Verse number 11, For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. If you're a believer, you know sin to be great. Sin's not a light thing. Sin isn't easily passed over. Uh, sin is a hard thing. Sin, sin is something that, that um, you know, it... It, it greatly troubles the believer. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's not wanting to sin. And iniquity, any iniquity is great. I mean, does, you know what it's like? I mean, you, just, you say something. Um, well, there was something said this morning. Um, I've, I've, I've been kind of nudged not to be so personal and use a lot of names um, because this is being broadcasted all over, you know, but um, somebody here said something to someone else, um, you know, and, and they were having trouble, you know, they're, you know what it's like, we get older, our minds just don't work like they used to, and, and you, I know your name, but I'm having trouble calling it to mind, and so it just gets blurted out, and you're like, okay, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it to sound, you know, that way, but, but we know what it is to have a sensitive conscience before the Lord, and we don't want to offend a brother or sister, so if we think there might have been an offense, or there could be an offense. You know, we, we want to handle that. We, we can't get peace, you know, about it until we do. So sin is great. I mean, we can talk about great sins, and we've all had great sins in our lives, and we could talk about great sins, and I'll talk about it later, but in I'll just say it now. There's, there's quantity and there's quality. There's great sins, and the quality of that sin you know, in our lives, they stand out before others. In Scripture, there's certain sins that stand out, you know, more than others in, in lives of saints that we have, you know, written unto us in Scripture about. But then there's also the quantity of sin. I mean, just the weight and the burden of all the sins, you know, that I've committed in my life. Um, you know, here's, here's pardon my iniquity, for it is great. 
You know, can, can any of us say here, my sin before God's not that great? You know, I mean, it's certainly not as great as so-and-so's. You know, I'm better than that person. Uh, any iniquity in our lives, because we stand before God individually. We answer individually our sin is great. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but, you know, Sin is, 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 think about in the sight of a holy God. Sin is great. It's not a small thing. You know, it's great. Any iniquity is great. Verse 12 says, what man is he that feareth the Lord? And I know in our culture, this whole thing about, you know, man, people start thinking, well, the Bible just talks about man. What about, what? no, what about mankind, right? Mankind. Woman and man, right? So, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? Do you reverence the Lord? I mean, we talk about sin being great, right? Iniquity being great. I'm kind of giving you an outline here of what we're going to be going through, right? So, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Well, the one that fears the Lord, you know, is, is the one that understands, you know, that sin is great in the sight of God. And I don't, I don't want to offend God. Um, I don't want to offend my wife. I don't want to offend you. Um, you know, we, we, we live amongst one another. Uh, and so how hard it is to be in the same room with someone or under the same roof with someone if I've offended them and I haven't made it right. You know, uh, well, we can apply that with our relationship with God, can't we? I mean, the spirit can become grieved. Prayer can become a drudgery. Um, I ran across a quote I'll read to you a little while later. He puts it very succinctly, you know, in that regard. But what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. Well, whose other way do you want? You want your own way or do you want the way that God chooses? Right? Verse 13 says, you know, the one the one who is is seeking to be led by the Lord, the meek, you know, that we've been talking about uh, in the previous verses, it, it, it says here that that person, in verse number 13, that person's soul, I mean, we know the Lord, we love the Lord, we want to be led by the Lord, we know the Lord's good and upright, we know He's only ever going to do us good. Well, look what it says there. His soul shall dwell at ease. Uh, Brother JT was talking to us a little bit about rest. I mean, that person can rest. You can rest in the Lord. You can trust in the Lord. You know, that, that would be the same sort of thing. But his soul shall dwell at ease and his seed shall inherit the earth. Verse 14 says, the secret of the Lord is with them. Well, let me back up to verse 13. Blessed are the meek. For what? They shall inherit the earth. Well, that's just what we read in verse number 13, right? Yeah. Verse number 14 says, The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Let's put it in this, in this way. You know the Lord. You know His Word. The Lord speaks to you. The Lord's given you an understanding. Right? Those are things that people that are outside of Christ do not know. Those are 
Those are secret things to them. They're not, they're a mystery. They're not understood at all. But these things belong to you. Brother Conrad, I know I talk about him all the time, and I don't apologize for that. Because if there if you see if there's any benefit to you from the preaching that you hear from me, if he was around, you could walk up to him and thank him for it. Because that's how much influence that he had upon me. Here's the thing. He would say of that that we're just talking about, he would say, this is children's bread. This in the word of God, this is bread for you as a child of God. These things belong unto you. They're, they're yours. These things are yours. You, you, you have an understanding of these things. You, you walk in the light of the truth of these things. It's, it's incredible to think about it, isn't it? We, we could be just blind out there and deaf out there in the world. But here, these secret things of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant, it says. So, verse number 15, the psalmist, in, in response, you know, it's, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. The Lord has wisdom. Brother J.T. talked to us about that too, didn't he? About wisdom. The Lord is wisdom. And it says here in verse number 15, he says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. Fixed upon him. That's the one that fears the Lord. His eyes are fixed upon the Lord, right? He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Didn't Brother J.T. tell us already this morning that the devil is roaming about? He's seeking whom he may devour? He's laid a net for your feet. He's wanting to ensnare you. How would, how would you ever escape? If you get caught in such a trap, David got caught in such a trap. I mean, if we want to think about the things, we're not told exactly what it is that David's talking about. You know, here in Psalm 25 and everything that he's, that he's mentioned in regards to sin. But certainly when he says, pardon my iniquity for it is great. You know, Bathsheba would have to come to mind. And, and what would happen as a result of that with Absalom? You know, all those things that transpired um, as we as we think about that net that was set there before David's feet as he was walking about there in the palace and he looks and he sees Bathsheba bathing. And it was the start of a great sin, of a great iniquity in his life. How would you ever rescue yourself from that? I mean, put it in terms of Peter denying the Lord three times. How do you rescue yourself from that? How do, you, how do you recover from that? How do you come back you know, from that? Only in the Lord. Who, who can bring you back from, from such a place? Um, I mean, I, it, I think about it sometimes as I think about Peter. and It's hard. You try to put yourself in his shoes. You can hardly imagine what he must have felt when the Lord could see him with, with insight. When he denied the Lord the third time. And had to come back and just roll through his mind. The Lord saying, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that was the third time. And how he must have felt as he went out and he wept bitterly. Yeah. What were you going to say, bro? Well, and, you know, when Judas realized what he did, hmm. he Right. He didn't recover. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't come back from it. Exactly right. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the... The, the the sermon you know in 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 a, in a nutshell 
now I'll be long. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, it, you know, last week was a reminder of how good the Lord is, right? I mean, um, anytime we see the Lord at work in someone's life, I mean, it doesn't have to be, and we, we already talked about this. I mean, the Lord was at work long before Danny was baptized you know, last week in his life. But it, isn't it good just to see even in those of us who walk with the Lord, you know, for years and years and years to see the Lord at work in that life? I mean, how many times have I gone to see someone in the hospital to go and encourage them and they end up encouraging me? How good it is to see the Lord at work in someone's life. Uh, what a reminder of how gracious uh, God is unto us, though. Um, you know, he, he could have just simply broomed us off the face of the earth in judgment. But, but he didn't. He, he, um, instead, we, we, have, we have been shown such, such mercy in Christ, such grace in Christ, such goodness of God in Christ that we've been made to know. Um, it's really amazing. Uh, no wonder Newton wrote the hymn, Amazing Grace. Uh, you know, he, he had it right in uh, using that to describe God's grace. It's, it is amazing. His grace is amazing. Pardon my iniquity, for it is great. You know, it is amazing that God gave his only begotten son and that in doing so is so completely satisfied in him that our sins have been blotted out. Our sins have been removed. Our sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. It's really amazing. No wonder the psalmist says in one of, uh, Psalm 103 verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Right? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, uh, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, and who healeth all thy diseases. Um, you know, I know we have physical maladies. Um, my my mother-in-law is, is not here this morning because of a physical malady. You know, pray for her. Uh, she's having a, a lot of trouble right now um, with a physical malady. You may have tried to call her, and she hasn't answered the phone recently. Um, and it's because she just hasn't even felt like talking, you know, to anyone she feels so bad. So uh, do be in, in prayer for her. But, you know, can't we say what the psalmist says there? Um, you know, he forgiveth all thine iniquities and heal, heals all your disease. Think about the spiritual malady that, of sin. That, you know, pardon my iniquity for it is great um, that the Lord's healed that disease. Uh, I know, like Brother J.T. brought out this morning, you know, that we have this flesh. We still continue. We've got to keep it under submission, got to keep it under subjection. I mean, it's almost like you see in the Old Testament where, where when a king was defeated, they would put their foot upon the neck, you know, of their enemy. Um, that's a pretty humiliating place, you know, for that king to have been. But that's the place that sin's got to be kept. It's there. It's at the door. You know, it's, it's, it's wanting to rule over you. Um, you know, sin desires to rule over you, uh, but 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 we are able to resist the devil, that he would flee from us because of the power of God, not our power, but God's power. That's why each and every day we ought to be asking the Lord to keep us from evil. I mean, I don't know what the rest of this day is going to bring. Um, you know, Lord, keep me from evil. Uh, it, it's it's at the door. You know, there, there, there's we we we've, we've lost in recent days. We've lost. Um, how many chickens now, Lydia? About five chickens. 
And at first, we, we assumed it was maybe a possum or, or a raccoon. Uh, but since, and not just this last, the fifth one, but, you know, about the third one, uh, we recognized that it was a hawk. Yesterday, I looked out the window, and there's an oak tree with a limb that hangs just directly pointed over the, the yard, and there he was. And he's sitting there. You know, he's kind of brown and kind of gray. You know, it blends right into the environment right now because there's leaves that have turned brown. There's trees that are gray that could be seen. He was really hard to spot. He didn't have trouble spotting me, but he was hard for me to spot. But there he is. And five chickens have died, and so they're staying inside. But there's this little door that opens every morning, and I think he may be even going in there and like, here's 35 of you. Which one do I want? You know, you know. <laughs> no, the carcass was still there. <laughs> yeah, the, the carcass was still there. Um, but, you know, there he is. He's looking. He's watching. He's waiting. He's wanting. And Satan is the same. You know, that could be a very illustration, you know, of Satan himself. He's perched right there and waiting. And he's got... You know, think about a lion. I mean, sharp that the hawk, you know, sharp talons. But, but uh, he's there wanting to get you in his clutches. What's your only hope? It's Christ. Who's going to deliver us from from that? Uh, the, the chickens are looking for us to deliver them. You know, we're not. We lost five. We haven't been doing a great job, right? But I, I just haven't had time. You know, I, I'm working so much to do anything with it, and the girls are doing everything they can, mostly just getting rid of the carcass after. The, the chicken dies, but but um, and keeping them, try to keep them shut up some, but but um, we're shut up to the Lord, aren't we? In these things, we're shut up unto Him. Yeah, huh, I, I, I think I'm gonna pass over that. I'll send it to you later. Uh, there was just an account in regards to an older man. I'm gonna tell it in our, uh, and and he's in his seventies, and he gets to the point where his sins are just they're coming back. He's, he's like at the end of his life and they're just crowding in. Um, and so I guess I'm going to tell it. Um, but the pastor basically, I'm, I'm not telling you everything about it, but that's the gist of it. The pastor said to him, don't you remember that when you confessed your sins, God said, your sins and your iniquities I will remember no more. If God has forgotten them, why should you be remembering them? In other words, you know, uh, why should you think about them? Um, and so I, I thought about that quote you know, Spurgeon said, take one look at yourself and then a thousand, you know, looks to Christ. And that's so true, you know, when they crowd in like that, you know, take one look at yourself and a thousand looks to Christ uh, is where we need to, to find ourselves. But verse 9 says, the meek he will guide in judgment and the meek he will teach uh, his way. Um, we go back to verse number 8 and it says, talks about the sinner. Well, you know, I, I, I made the point last week, I got to make it again this week. Sin no longer defines you as a Christian. That is not what you are. Um, I asked some here this morning that had gone to the Bentley camps if they happened to have any gatepost articles. It was a paper that Brother Conrad used to put out. Well, Lydia found several that I had still, and one of the articles, the title of it was Sinner or saint what are you 
does sin define you? If sin defines you, if that's if that's defines you, that you're outside of Christ. I mean, that's if sin defines you, that's and you're a sinner. You know, that's what you are. You're outside of Christ. In Christ, our hunger we heard about this morning, our thirst that we heard about this morning, is for righteousness. That's the saint. That's the one who's a believer. That's the one who's been converted. Um, you know, we're we're in Christ. The the Scripture plainly, Paul plainly writes all those letters. I mentioned this, I think, last week, but he plainly writes all those letters to the, not sinners, but saints at all those different places, right? Um, so what does the Scripture regard us as? I know the Roman Catholic Church has a different idea of what a saint is and how you obtain sainthood. Uh, yeah, right. It's after the fact, right? Um, but, but what are we in Christ? In God's sight, you're a saint. Uh, uh, you're a saint. You know what? What does that speak of? Our our desire and our hunger and our thirst after righteousness, to do what's right in the sight of God, to be led by God. Uh, here in these verses that we're looking at, here the meek shall he teach. Uh, you know, so that that is that is definitive of us and of what we are, not in ourselves, and not what we've become somehow because of something that we've done, um, like. You know, you were describing, Brother Bruce, you know, about that's how they obtain sainthood is after the fact. You know, they died and the things they've done and they're voted, you know, on. And they're like, okay, you know, this, it's, that's worthy of saint. We'll, we'll bestow this upon them. They are now a saint. And, and then people even pray, you know, unto those saints. But, but uh, that's not what, you know, we're talking about. Uh, we're, we're simply talking about us being a new creature in Christ Jesus, right? We're no longer a sinner. We're no longer what we were. Now we're made something new, you know, in Christ. Um, our thirst is not for sin, right? We may fall into sin. There's that trap the devil can set for us, and we may get caught by that trap. But our thirst isn't for sin. Uh, we, we don't want to sin that grace may abound, you know, uh, our desire, our thirst is, you know, for righteousness. Lord, I want to do what's right. You know, I want to glorify you. I want to do what's right in your sight, right? So those, this is true of those who have been taught by God the way of salvation. Uh, but you remember Brother Mack when he was with us back in November. You remember what he preached on? Hmm? Anybody? Blessed are the meek. You know, and I, I, it's been in my mind, you know, because I knew this was coming. And so when he preached on that in November, I'm like, I got to remember that he preached on that, you know, um, and, and, and because he, he, he had some good things that he, he brought out to us. You may want to go back and, and listen to that message. But but he, he went on past you know, that that one passage there in, in uh, Matthew and um, he, he went further and said, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You know, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. We've already talked about that this morning. But blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they what? Shall be filled. They shall be filled. So there's this inheritance, there's this filling, you know. And again, Brother JT spoke about that this morning, about us being filled. You know, it, 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 it's a continual thing. Um, it's not a one-time experience. 
You know, we, we have been filled and we are being filled and we shall be filled. I mean, we're, in, a, in a fuller sense, you know, the, the fullness of our inheritance, you know, that we're going to receive and, and knowing even as we are known, you know, there's a further filling coming, um, you know, that we, that we can know now. We can only know in part now. Uh, we prophesy in part now. Uh, but then face to face, knowing even as we are, you know, known. But blessed are the meek. They're the ones... Verse number nine plainly tells us that are the ones that are taught of God, that are guided of God, uh, they hunger for what God alone can give. Um, I don't have the wisdom that I need. Where am I going to get that from? Um, well, the Lord says, if you like it, ask for it. I'll give it to you. Um, oftentimes he gives it even without you asking. Um, you know, we, we're in need and the Lord supplies, you know, those needs. Um, but um, if we like it, he, he will give it unto us. Um, you know, think, think about um, the meek being taught of God, hungering for what only God can give. They're not like the proud. The proud aren't hungry for the things of God. They're not thirsting for the things of God. They really are full of themselves is what they are. We're, desired to be, we're desiring to be filled by God. They're full of themselves. They're full of the world. They're full of sin. We could say all kinds of things that they're full of. Um, I think we have a picture, you know, of, of that, you know, in Scripture, in, in Luke 18, you know, where you have the publican and the Pharisee. You want to see the meek? There's the publican. Wouldn't even lift his eyes to heaven, right? Smote himself upon the breast. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Then you got the publican. You know, that the, the, the publican, rather, he's, 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 he's in, empty, isn't he? I don't have anything. There's nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. Then you got the Pharisee full of himself, recommending himself really to God, praying. The scripture says he was praying with himself, but he was full of himself and full of what he had done. So there's the opposite of the meek. There's the Pharisee who was proud, proud. I thought about Luke 15, 7, where it says, I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner. That publican, there was joy in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than 99 persons that need no repentance. That, pub, that, that Pharisee, he didn't need any repentance, did he? He was full of himself, full of his works. He was like the rich young ruler who came to the Lord and said, you know, what must I ha do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord put his finger right on the problem in the man's life. And he went away sorrowful because he had many riches. He had great riches. His riches were the things of this life. He wasn't rich towards God. He was like the man who, who had many goods for many years to come. And he tore down his barns and built bigger ones and said to his soul, you know, there's, there's the wrong kind of ease. There's the wrong kind of rest. You know, he's like, take your rest. You have many goods laid up for many years to come. And God says, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose will these things be? So the meek, as we said, come saying, nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling. The world doesn't believe in meekness, do they? To them, it's weakness. It's, just, it's really weakness. It's not meekness. To them, it's weakness. They don't believe that the meek will inherit anything. You know, they, they feel like the proud person, that's the one who gets ahead. Not, not the meek person. That meek person doesn't get ahead. The proud person you know, gets ahead. 
but the meek person is one who has a true view of himself, there's a poorness, there's a, there's a quality of a poorness of spirit that exists there. He, he knows anything worth having, where does it come from? It comes from God. Anything worth having comes from God. He's the giver of every good and perfect gift. Um, but the meek are humble. The meek are lowly. The meek know themselves to be weak and in need of strength from God. They, they, they know themselves to everything they need comes from God. Um, who's sufficient for these things, the scripture says. Our sufficiency is from God, right? We're not sufficient. Am I sufficient to stand here? Before? I'm not sufficient. I'm praying all week, Lord, give me a word for your people. Help me to preach something unto you. Help me to feed. I mean, again, Peter denies the Lord three times. The Lord comes, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? In the end, what does he say? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And I'm like, Lord, help me to feed your sheep. Help me to feed your people. Help me to have something for them to be able to feed upon uh, out of your word. Um, but humble, lowly, uh, does, does, this, does this describe us? Are we meek? Um, it, it is the opposite of proud. It is the opposite of arrogant. It, it is even in Galatians, it's what? A fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? This meekness is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not something that we come into this world with. We come with pride. You know, we come being arrogant. We come being enmity with God, but, but uh, meekness. And I must decrease. That's meek. Yes, that's humble, isn't it? Uh, he must increase. I must decrease. I mean, you think about John's ministry. There he was. I mean, there. Were, how many people did he baptize? How many people was he preaching unto? Um, you know, could he have, could he have gotten full of himself? Uh, you know, in the flesh, certainly he could have. Uh, but the Lord is able to keep us humble, isn't He? Can, can, we, can we not look somewhere in Scripture to see that? I mean, there's more than one place, but certainly the first one that comes to my mind is Paul. And what? The thorn in the flesh? Why did he get that? Because of what? Because of the abundance of revelations. You, you think about some of these men who have large ministries. You know, I'm talking about they preach to thousands of people. I'm talking about true men of God. That, could you get puffed up? You know, could you get kind of full of yourself a little bit? Uh, you know, certainly. Uh, that, that could, but we don't have to be in that position for that to happen to any of us, I know. But, but, you know, here's Paul. Because of the abundance of revelations that were given unto him, the Lord sent to him this thorn in the flesh. And what did he say? I'm going to rejoice in this. In the end, after he asked the Lord to remove it three times, he said, because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because I know where my strength lies. It's not in me. It's in Christ. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? Isn't that a blessed place to be when you can rejoice in your salvation? You can rejoice in the Lord. I mean, there's strength. I'm looking to the Lord. I've got all these things that are happening in my life. I'm not trying to, to, to overcome you know, these things in my own wisdom or by my own strength, but I'm looking to the Lord. Yeah, sure, I could do this. I could do that. But Lord, I, I, don't, I don't know that's the right thing to do in this situation. I don't want to be full of myself. I want to be full of you. you know, and and I, I want to be led by you. I want to be taught by you. 
um, what you would have me, you know, to do uh, here. James 4, 6 says, He giveth more grace, wherefore God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What do we say the meek were? Humble. The meek are humble. Um, Isaiah 66, 2 says, For all those things hath my hand made, and those things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look. Do you want the Lord's attention? I, I do. I want the Lord watching over me to go before me. I want to be before me, behind me, above me, beside me, beneath me, every, you know, everywhere, right? Just all encompassing um, in, in my life. To this man will I look, even to him that is poor. Here's the meek of a contrite spirit, and that what? Trembleth at my word. Do you tremble before his word? In other words, you have respect unto his word. You have reverence for his word, right? Uh, here's a thought in my mind, but this is what God's word said. This isn't right. God's word's right. God's word's true, right? But these are the meek. Um, Isaiah 28, verse 16 says, Therefore the Lord God says this, Listen carefully. I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for the, we could say, secure foundation, firmly placed. He who believes... It's not going to be disappointed. He who believes is not going to be ashamed. He who casts all, his all upon him is not going to be disappointed. Um, there's a lot of people in this world who have a lot of things, and they have a lot of power, and they have, they have a lot of possessions, and they, and they have a lot of praise of men. Um, they're going to be sorely disappointed in the end. You know, whose will all these things be then? Thou fool. Thou fool. You, you put... All of your stock in those things? Thou fool, whose will those, those things be then? You know, what, what are they going to matter in hell? What, what are they going to matter whenever you're, you're asking for one drop of water that your tongue could be tooled, cooled because you're tormented you know, in, in the flame? So uh, the meek, the poor, the needy, the humble, these God will guide in judgment. These God will teach his way. For upon him, the meek and the humble depend. Depend. There's there's animals around the farm that depend upon Lydia to get up every morning and go out there and tend to them. And in the afternoon, depend upon Anna to come out there and tend to them. And sometimes they depend upon me to help them do certain things to tend. To, we depend upon the Lord. We look unto the Lord. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep, right? So we're looking, you know, unto him. Verse 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. Unto such as keep his covenants and testimonies. Uh, are we such that keep his covenants and testimonies? Can we say that? Do we desire to be taught of God? Do we regularly look in his word for direction? You know, when we're, when we're examining a situation, are we saying, well, yeah, what does God's word say about this? What, what, what would God have me to do here? You know, are, are, we, are we looking at all of the situations and circumstances through those lenses? Uh, do we regularly pray for wisdom? You know, the, the meek are the ones that submit themselves. The humble are the ones that submit themselves under the mighty hand of God. And Scripture says that they'll be exalted in due time. Um, his paths are mercy. His paths are kindness. They are good. They are true. They are according to his faithfulness. They're sure, stable, reliable to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies, who walk according to them, according to his word. You know, we, we have a teacher who is good and upright. 
to instruct us in the way. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we, we have we have wisdom. He says that he will be our God. God says, I will be your God. Isn't that good? You know, isn't isn't that blessed? Isn't that something that you can have some rest and some ease in? I will be your God. And all the promises in God's word that attend to that. I will be, and you will be my people. Um, you know, all that that Brother JT was talking about this morning and the, the people that were trusting in themselves and in the professions that they have. I, I wouldn't want to live there. I wouldn't want to live there. Depending upon myself, looking to myself, uh, having faith in what I've done, you know, um, how much more rest is there depending upon the Lord, looking to Him, resting in what He has done, resting in what He said He will do, what He has promised unto us that He will do, the covenant that He's made unto us. Jeremiah 31, 33 says, But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts. Has, has that been done for you? Has the Lord not written His word upon your very heart? Isn't it there? Isn't, isn't there a work that's been done within you? That it, it can't be corrupted, the Scripture says. There is a seed, a holy seed within you that cannot be corrupted. Adam was corrupted, right? But this work that God has done within us cannot be corrupted. It can't be defiled. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. Mm -hmm. Now, the Lord speaking to you, saying, Know me. Saying, I will make myself known unto you. Saying, I will give you an understanding. Saying, I will teach you and guide you in the way you should go. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest of them. You know, it's not just the preacher that the Lord speaks to but it's everyone in the pew. And it's from the oldest to the youngest that know him, that belong unto him. The Lord speaks from the least unto the greatest, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. What a rest that we've entered into, right? What a rest. With all that's wrong in the world, isn't that a rest? You know? I've got a quote for you. Let me scroll down to it. It's further down here if I can find it quickly. I ran across something that R.C. Sproul said right along uh, those lines. He says, to know that God knows everything about me, right? And yet loves me is indeed my ultimate consolation. He knew Peter would sin. But he didn't kick Peter to the curb. He loved him. He knew what Peter was. He knows what we are. He knows what we have done. And yet, he knows everything about us. And yet, he loves me. Right? That is an ultimate consolation. 
That is an ultimate consolation, that we occupy such a place because of Christ as that, that God knows everything about us, and yet he still loves us. Um, and it's only because of Christ, we know that. Um, you know, he sees, he saw the travail of his soul, and he was satisfied, right? He was satisfied. He is satisfied with us in Christ. He's satisfied. It is amazing, though. Um, well, let me get back to where I was. Um, or maybe I need to move further along. Perfect in all of his ways and judgments. He knows what we need to be taught. When we need to be taught it. How long we need to be taught it. You know, he knows exactly. I think I, when I think on those terms, I always think about Brother Mark LaCour and an illustration he gave one time about, you know, there being a clock and there being a stove and there was a temperature, you know, and all those things that have to be watched. I came in last night and, and, um, I opened, you know, the, the dish that, that I was said dinner was ready, you know, ready. I came in there and, and my wife says, kind of overcooked the chicken, you know. Um, well, the Lord doesn't overcook anything, right? I mean, he's, Brother Mark says he's got one eye on the temperature. He's got one eye on the timer. You know, in a sense, we know God doesn't need those things. Um, but, but he knows exactly what we need when we need it and how long we need it. You know, when will this trial be over? When the Lord appoints that it should be over. He appointed the trial to begin with. He brought it to our doorstep to begin with. And it will be there as long as it needs to be there. Because he has a purpose in it. He's producing something in us, and that is us being conformed in the image of Christ. You know, He is making us more and more, day by day, He's making us more and more like His Son. So, again, James says in James 1, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into divers or various temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. How is it that you possess the amount of patience that you have right now. Where it come from? I'm talking about God-given patience. It's come through the trials that he's put us through. You know, how can we face that thing the next time and not just be crazy anxious you know, about it? The Lord's, the Lord's shown us that he's faithful. The Lord's shown us his power. The Lord's shown us his strength. The Lord's shown us his ability um, and, and so we, we see the Lord is faithful. The trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work. I know that we, we, we throw a fit. We, 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 I don't like this. I don't want this. I want it to be over. Um, but the Lord knows exactly what we need. Let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and tired, wanting nothing. To be able to humble ourselves and say, Lord, you know. You, you, you know, like Paul, three times praying that that thorn might be removed. Lord, you know that I would like for this to be over. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine, right? Um, if any of you like wisdom, let him ask of God. Lord, why? Well, the Lord may be pleased to give you some wisdom, to give you some understanding as to why. Um, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. One of the only times that I like that word. Uh, you know, when it comes to things like this, um, we, we, we hear a lot about liberal in our day, you know, but this is good. This is, this is what Brother JT was talking about, being filled, 
over and over again. You know, I've, I've attained maybe to this level of wisdom, but ultimately the Lord's going to bring me to here. There may be a lot of things I have to go through to get there. Uh, you know, I, I, I've heard Brother Conrad counsel people to say that they were like, I would like to have this or that 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 person has. And Brother Conrad say, are you prepared to go through what that person had to go through in order to get those things? Um, we sing that hymn, Are You Able, says the Master, to be crucified you know, with me. Yea, the sturdy dreamer answers, to the death we follow thee. And we see that man in Mark, he runs out of his clothes, you know, naked. <laughs> um, and, and, and we see others that were, the shepherd's going to be smitten and the sheep are going to be scattered, right? Uh, Lord, though everybody else, Peter said, denies you, I'll not deny you, right? Um, which we don't fault Peter because that could have been us, would have been us, right? Except for the grace of God, Um Well, you know, here you, you, you think about being the paths of the Lord. You think about being taught of the Lord uh, in his way. Isaiah thirty twenty one says, and thine ears shall hear. I mean, this, this to me enters into that secret things belonging to the Lord. Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right hand or to the left, this is the way. Walk ye in it. He's the shepherd. He's able to lead us. Um, he guides those who are meek. The meek are teachable. Are you teachable? Uh, the stubborn, the proud, the self-willed, they're not teachable. Uh, they won't listen. They won't yield. Um, but, you know, we want to be like the publican. God, be merciful to me. You know, I, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. You know, it, it, I, it, it's just your grace, Lord. Give, give, pardon my iniquity for it's great. You know, it's, there's that, it's that grace. Um, you think about sin as a weight in that regard, pardon my iniquity for it's great. I, I, I drive a lot. Sister Carolyn drives a lot. And, and there are bridges that you cross over and it'll say gross vehicle weight. I mean, you think about the weight of our sin. There wouldn't be a bridge, you know, that we could cross. Um, Christ has made that way where there was, where there was no way. Um, but do we, as we said before, do we see, see our sin as a great offense against a holy God? Pardon mine iniquity. That's verse number 11. For it is great. For thy namesake, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. We talked about quality and quantity, you know, in the beginning. Let me read this to you. This is the quote that I mentioned I was going to read to you. Um, it says this, sin is that horrible shade We've got shades here on these windows. The light would be much brighter coming through if it weren't for those shades, right? We have them there because some of the carpets actually become bleached at the very back you know, because the, there weren't any shades. You know, the UV rays coming through bleached out the carpet. It's a lighter color uh, than the carpet out here. Uh, but sin is that horrible shade that comes down and hides the face of our Savior. It does not make us less his children. It does not disenfranchise us from all the, re, the, the, the blessings of redemptive grace, but it hides the face of our God in these terms. He says, of warm, precious, intimate, felt, delightful communion with him. Have you ever felt sin do that in your life? Uh, I'm, I'm sure you have. It grieves the Holy Spirit so that our Bibles become a closed book. 
so that prayer becomes a drudgery and so that worship on the Lord's day is a burden. So he goes on to say sin should be of great concern, you know, unto us. Um, give credit to the person who said it because I thought it was stated in a very succinct, you know, um, you know, way. So much so that I felt that I ought to share it with you. And you can thank Brother Jerry for that because you sent, I don't know, have you heard that before? If you listened to that message you sent to me, you've heard it before. Um, but that was Albert Martin that actually said that. Um, do we sin, do we see our sin as great or do we take sin lightly? Um, is it a small thing? Does it seem trivial? Think about the, it was right, there was a hymn right across the page from one somebody called out today, but stricken, smitten, and afflicted in the hymn. Ye who think of sin but lightly, nor suppose the evil great, here may view its nature rightly, here its guilt may estimate, mark the sacrifice appointed, see who bears the awful load. Tis the word, the Lord's anointed, son of man and son of God. And talk about that bridge, talk about the gross vehicle weight, talk about who bears the awful load. Um, do you think of sin lightly? God doesn't. He gave his only begotten son. Um, First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.12 says, I think Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. You know, people say, but you don't know what I've done. The Lord pardons great iniquity. The Lord pardon my iniquity for it is great. What did Paul, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. He pardons great iniquity. If we talk to that person that says, you don't know what I've done, it does not matter. He pardons great iniquity. There's mercy for you. There's grace for you. Right? Pardon my iniquity. For thy name's sake, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. Um, sin is great and ought to be greatly avoided, ought to be constantly prayed against. Lord, keep us you know, from evil. It ought to be run from like Joseph. And you go read that account and Potiphar's wife, it wasn't just, it wasn't just one day. If you read the account, it was day after day after day. And she waited until there was a day there was nobody else in the house. You know, for for her greatest attack, you know, it seems. And Joseph runs out of his outer garment. That's the way we ought to think about sin. Run. Run as far and as fast as you can away from it. He said, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? That was his testimony to her. How can I do this? If we find ourselves in that place, though, where we fall into sin, again, I don't tire of, of reading the verse to you, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
What is the sufficient answer to all that we faced? It is Christ. Christ is the only sufficient answer to all that we face. Uh, the world certainly has a low, low view of righteousness. Sin to them is cheap. Sin to them is inoffensive. Sin to them is, you know, easily squared, as it were. Um, but it is an insult and an affront unto a holy God. And they will find out uh, one day if the Lord does not awaken them to their need of Christ and what their sin looks like in the sight of God. Um, Brother Conrad said, Our sins are so black, so hateful, so heinous in God's sight that nothing less than the death of deity could secure our pardon. Isn't that amazing? What man is he that feareth the Lord? I'm not going to make it through this. I don't even know how long I've been. I'm not, how long? I'm not like Brother Johnny. When you see him next week and be in prayer for the, the meeting next week, if you haven't thought about the fact that the meeting's next week, before an hour? Okay, I'm going to stop. Um, you'll see him. The first thing he'll do is take up his watch and he'll put it right here. And he won't preach as long as you want him to. I know I probably preach a lot of times longer than you want me to, uh, but he won't preach as long as you want him to. He'll stop, you know. And if Brother Barney's here, you may hear him say, I didn't come to hear a sermonette. I didn't drive away from Carthage to come hear a sermonette. I come to hear a sermon. <laughs> so um, be in prayer for the meeting for next week. Um, be in prayer for, I don't know why he's never done it before. David sent me his texts. And he's like, is this okay? I've told every preacher that has ever preached here. I said, I am utterly confident that the Lord can lead you because we pray that the Lord will lead you to the text that we need to hear. That is our prayer in these meetings. So I am completely confident the Lord's able to lead you. If that's what he's led you to, then that's what you preach. Yeah. Um, so do pray for the men. Um, he settled, you know, David at least has settled on his texts that he'll be preaching, you know, when he comes here. Um, but um, he needs unction. He, he needs strength, and, you know, to be able to preach the message unto us the Lord's given him, you know. And Brother Johnny too. Um, so be in prayer for them. So we'll, um, you know, have Saturday, you know, evening. We'll start at 5. We'll, we'll eat together um, if you're able to come. And then we'll have, you know, two men preach, you know, after that. Um, and then stay as you know, long as you want. We've been here many times till 11, 12 o'clock at night. Uh, I'm getting older now. That's harder, you know, to do. Uh, we'd go to Bentley camp and I'd be up sometimes to one o'clock in the morning. Um, you know, that's, that's, yeah, it wasn't, we were there on the grounds, you know, we slept in a building, you know, right beside the place that we were staying up to one o'clock in the morning. So it wasn't so bad, uh, but you were usually wore out. Uh, but that's that a lot of that's for young men. You'll see some of these older preachers that we have come preach. They're like, it's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> it's time for me to go. Um, but um, that'll be Saturday. And then, you know, Sunday morning, we, we, we have breakfast if you're able to come. Um, we usually try to eat around 8 o'clock. We don't start until 10. Uh, but if you're able to come and you want to spend some time in fellowship with the, the, the pastors who, who have come to, to preach unto us, it's a good time to be able to do that. Um, there's been some jawbreakers of questions that over the years that have been asked around the breakfast table during that time. Um, I, I've yet to hear anybody say, I don't know. They've all had some sort of a, 
opinion about it, but um, I, I, again, I know you get tired of hearing it, but Brother Conrad told me, he said, I learned a long time ago to say, if I didn't know, I don't know. <laughs> um, there, there's some humbleness and some meekness there, isn't there? To say, I don't know. Um, I, I, I know this, God's right in everything he does. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that. I don't know. I, I, just, I just don't know. But I, I haven't settled on that. Uh, Brother Bruce and I had some conversations where that's been kind of the answer. You know, I, I really don't know. This kind of what I think, you know, but, you know, about that. But I, I, I just really don't know. Um, so there's some meekness and some humility, you know, even in that, isn't there? Um, we do we do we really think that we have the answers to everything? Uh, we've only scratched the surface, right? I mean, uh, how, how many times have we gone back over a passage and like, I never saw that there. You know, well, we've grown um, and been able to see some things we weren't able to see before. So 